We're in a battle for America's soul. Liberty is at risk. It's time to speak up. Welcome to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot. Brooke says, for years, Brooke's been behind the scenes, helping conservative leaders articulate a vision for a better America. Now, she's front and center, and the mic is hot. Here is your host, Brooke says. Hello, hello. Welcome to Brooke Talks America, where we discuss politics and culture from an unapologetically conservative perspective. I'm your host, Brooke says, conservative patriot, proud, deplorable, and columnist. Be sure to check out uh, social media, and I did not design it this way. I tried to do it all the same, but it has different names. Facebook is Brooke Talks. Twitter is at Talks America. But you can find all of them on the website, which is brooktalksamerica.com. And if you'd like to partner with the show and help us get this conservative message out there, let me know. And I'm here with my co-host, Colonel Jim Warshuk, who is the former Deputy Director for Intelligence at U.S. Central Command, served on the White House National Security Council, and is currently the Hillsborough County GOP Chairman. So you know how it goes from hot topics to history. You can be sure if it's happening in America, I'll be talking about it. And you can listen to archived podcasts of this show on my website, brooktalksamerica.com. Also, I'm on Captain's America Third Watch every Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m. Colonel Jim is also on every Wednesday morning at 5 a.m., both on this station, Salem Media Group, on AM860, The Answer. Uh, And as a a reminder, I've talked about it for the past week or so, Um, I'm going to be organizing an America Thanks the Truckers rally and have changed the date to August 8 or 8-8 to keep it pithy. (laughs) Uh, Stay tuned to the Facebook page for more information. And if you'd like to help with that and or organizing an event in your area, please let me know. You know, as I said last week, the kids are out of school, obviously, and unfortunately, but you can get them involved, get them outside, make it a really fun project, have them make signs, you know, get when we get out there. Um, You'll want to begin, though, by scouting out like on ramps, off ramps, bridges and walking bridges, things like that, places where you can safely put, you can safely stand and then wave signs and or hang banners you all the Trump rally, the flag wavings, that's kind of what they do. Uh, let's work together to honor our amazing truckers who've done so much during this pandemic, as you know I like to call it, and show them some love. Uh, I'm also in communication with my local congressman to get a bill passed for truckers and will be announcing that as it progresses. There isn't a single thing that's on your dinner table or in a health care at the office that isn't brought to you by a trucker. So just remember that, America. Uh, no new article for me this week, but you can go to the website, Brooke Talks America and see tons of archives uh, and some of my recent articles as well as Colonel Jim's are on the Facebook page. So go there, check it out and tell your fellow patriots to give it a follow. So I have as my guest on the show today, Kathy Chamberlain. She is the author of the book Rules for Deplorables, which is a play on words of the original book by Saul Alinsky, Rules for Radicals, which you probably know is a favorite of the left, including Obama and our favorite Killary. Of course, I say that sarcastically. She wrote her thesis on it. Um, Kathy, a.k.a. the deplorable author, is a four-time startup business owner, owner of the nation's first all-female construction company, which I thought was super cool when I learned about that, and former Florida-licensed state-building contractor. She is a sought-after political speaker and has been a regular contributor to 
Salem Media Radio Network, including on this station. Uh, in her book, Rules for Deplorables, A Primer for Fighting Radical Socialism, she references Alinsky's book and his 13 tactics, which have been used for decades by Democrats to change American values and culture in order to what? Fundamentally transform our country into socialism. Have you heard those words before? Yes, you have, and we'll be, pl- we'll be talking more about that in a little bit. Conservatives cannot fight back against the left, and I've been saying this forever, as you know, unless they understand the tactics that they use. I talk about this all the time. We need to fight like the left does. That's one of the reasons I love Trump so much is that he knows this. Um, Rules for Deplorables is an excellent resource in general, but especially... For each individual fighting in this culture war, uh, it's a great resource for 2020 election, and I have to agree, we desperately need to understand this stuff. So she was, in her words, uh, indoctrinated by the left for 15 years while living in L.A. in the 80s and 90s, but has gone from being a liberal Democrat then to a conservative Republican today. So welcome on there. Uh, make sure if you reach out to her, you let her know you heard about her on, welcome, on um, this show on Brook Talks America. And with that, I'd like to welcome Kathy to the show. Thanks for coming. Hey, Brooke. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Now, before we get into our discussion, uh, I wanted to go a little ways back to set the stage for what you're going to be talking about uh, and play a few clips and get your take on them. The first two are Michelle Obama, and the last one is Barack Obama. Let me tell you something. For the first time in my adult lifetime, I'm really proud of my country. And not just because Barack has done well, but because I think people are hungry for change. And Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation. We're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place as a nation to provide the kind of future that we all want desperately for our children. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. So, you know, that was about 12 or 13 years ago. But those comments uh, bring both of us, bring us right here to where we are now. Don't you think, Kathy? Yeah, I absolutely do. And uh, that's kind of interesting because I just heard that, too, that um, Biden used the word transforming America. I actually start out my first chapter with that quote by uh, Obama fundamentally transforming uh, our country. And for those of us who understood what he meant back then, it just seemed to me like it should be so obvious to all Americans what he was talking about. But obviously it wasn't. They thought he was taking us to a better place um, and a less divided place. But those of us who understood what he meant, we knew he meant taking us one step closer to socialism. Yeah, and you know, um, they when you when you heard the clip with Obama, you know, they were clapping because they thought. And I, I've talked about this. So the country's not perfect, and no one has ever said it is. Certainly not anybody on our side. And I talk about this a lot. I, I'm not one of those who says, "Oh, well, you know, we fought a civil war to end s- slavery. Everything's okay." No, that's not true. As a matter of fact, Democrats were so angry about the the issue of, of of emancipation that they started the Ku Klux Klan as their paramilitary wing to harass both black freed slaves and white Republicans who were trying to help them out 
like help them to vote. So these are the things that nothing nobody ever talks about. But when they when Democrats like Obama says, well, you know, we want change and we want to help get make things better. And of course, he was half black. So he was talking specifically a lot about race is we want to move in a better direction. Now, everybody wants to move in a better direction. But that's not what he's talking about. You know, and you get into this, uh, you know, I gave I know I gave a little bit of bio, but uh, get in on your, you know, expound on your background. And then what brought you to one is to become a deplorable. Right. And then to write the book, because you recognized when you when you had your incident, I want you to talk about it, is that it was not about the happy, you know, fluffy change. It was about something really much deeper, which we're experiencing now with the likes of Antifa and BLM, basically Marxism. So I don't want to get, you know, I want to let you talk about it more, but give us a little bio. We'll get into a little, little bit, go to the break, and then come back and expound on it. But we have about, you know, about two minutes to get into that. Well, as you mentioned, I, uh, I was a licensed building contractor here in the state. And yes, started up the nation's first all-female construction company. Um, and um, I had an, an accident. I was out inspecting roofs after Hurricane Irma hit back in 2017. And my ladder slipped out from under me and I fell 10 feet, breaking my back, both wrists and got life-threatening blood clots. Um, and the doctor said, that's it you're done. Um, and it was quite a shock because uh, it was, of course, you know, my entire life changed in an instant. And so as I was laying in that hospital bed, um, I'm, I was just getting more angry and more angry with the way uh, the mainstream media was treating Trump. And not only that, but his own party uh, yeah. uh, treating him because a lot of a lot of folks simply do not understand the game that the left plays. Um, and that through Alinsky tactics. So I uh, recalled it was like a light bulb went off. I just had a deja vu of when I was a flaming liberal back in L.A. <laughs> and by the way, I was brought up a very conservative household. Uh, my dad was military, uh, lieutenant colonel, retired, and he was a um, he was a helicopter pilot, went to Vietnam. I mean, he was really strict and I rebelled. And so as a result, I ended up in California from the D.C. area. We grew up in or um, uh, spent a lot of time in Alexandria, uh, mainly when I was growing up. But I got under the spell of all that indoctrination. So I know firsthand how the left can grab a hold of a kid and uh, just uh, just fundamentally transform their minds, basically. So I recalled the, the, the book that I had read, The Rules for Radicals with Saul Linsky. But of course, at that time, I read it through a, a, a very different uh, outlook, um, and and I was reading it as a liberal. Okay, so hold uh, that thought. Hold that thought right there. Sure. Hold that thought right there. We will be. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke says, with Colonel Jim and Kathy Chamberlain. We will be right back to finish that thought. More Brook Talks America coming up. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. Visit on Facebook. Search Brooke Talks. And now, your host, Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. We're on AM860, The Answer, Salem Media Group. Be sure to check out the website, Brooke Talks America. Go on the social media, check in. 
Send us a note. Send us a smile. And so you, uh, I'm here with Kathy. As you were mentioning, you were on the dark side, sorry to say, <laughs> in, uh, in L.A. Kathy as a liberal. Go ahead. Yes, and uh, of course, when you're in that bubble, and uh, the the po- politicians in D.C. experience the same kind of bubble. Well, I was in Hollywood yeah. experiencing the leftist bubble, um, but you just don't see any other viewpoints uh, when you're stuck there. So, um, basically, what got me to uh, start opening my mind up was when Ross Perot ran. I like to say I just fell in love with a man, and that was Ross Perot, and that's what got me getting more towards the center again, and I became an right. independent which I stayed independent up until 2015. I, I moved to the Tampa Bay area about 25 years ago, um, and I stayed independent that entire time, Brooke. And and until and as you know, we have the primary, so you have to be one uh, party or the other. And um, when Trump came down that escalator, I knew immediately and that he was the one. And so that's when I switched to become a Republican, but it took me that long, and it took that man. Uh, to get me to open my mind completely to understand. So when I was in the hospital thinking about Saul Alinsky and the tactics and the book that I had read, I knew by watching Trump and the reactions to him by the left and by anti-Trumpers and never-Trumpers, I knew that he that that he was uh, being attacked by Alinsky tactics, and I wondered why nobody else saw that. Right. So that's the moment I decided to write Rules for Deplorables um, as a counterbalance to Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. And I start off each chapter with one of his tactics, and I flush it out and explain it by using current events like the Kavanaugh hearings. You know, the things that, as I was writing, were happening, the Russia collusion, and I explain uh, how Alinsky tactics are being used against our president. Uh, and that's how, that's how I got into it, and that's how I wrote the book. And as you know, now I'm on, a, on, on my Florida Deplorable book tour, and I'm going around just talking about my book everywhere and trying to get this message out to anyone who will listen, because this is the key uh, to helping our president win 2020. Yeah, and, the, you know, I, I talk about this a lot. That's why I say this is a, a show about politics and culture from a conservative perspective. I... Look, I'm an equal opportunity offender in the sense that I'm a registered Republican, but I, I criticize the Republicans because it's kind of like this. I know what Democrats are, so I'm not really surprised when they act like what they are. And I, I make a joke, not really a joke, but I, I say they're like hyenas, right? So I'm not really surprised when a hyena shrieks wildly, you know, defecates on itself and acts like a complete lunatic because that's what I expect. And and I'm not talking about normal, average, everyday Democrats, and there are still, you know, a few left. I think they're becoming conservative or Republicans every day. But I'm talking about the progressive left, the people that are in Portland that are shrieking hysterically in D.C. And, and rioting and looting and all this stuff. You know, the same people that are especially like the white liberals that stand in front of black ICE officers or black uh, officers and, and screaming racial epithets at them and telling them the race writers, these insane lunatics. Those are the people that I'm talking about, you know, but the Republicans, we don't see the fight that we have in Trump. And you mentioned it before, like the never Trumpers. Trump is doing rush talks about this. Trump is doing so many things as a hard, you know, as a conservative, hardline conservative that they've been saying that they want forever 
He's doing he's implementing their policies and they're unhappy with it, which makes you see which makes me say two things. One is either they don't believe in it. Right. Or they're just part of the swamp and they don't they don't really care. They just said those things because it filled their coffers and let them sit around in leather chairs, smoking cigars and talking fluff. But he he understands that this is a culture war. The left owns every manner of dissemination of information within the culture from academia to entertainment to Hollywood to now sports, which is tragic and everything. And, you know, your book is so important because our side has to know not only what they do and how they operate, but we need to have the courage to fight like they do. There's no more country club, nice Republican attitude. We have to fight. We're in a guerrilla warfare. That's what we're in, guerrilla war, and we need to fight like they do, right? So your book is, that's what makes your book so important. Yes, I mean, I'm in total agreement, and I'll tell you what I've discovered on my speaking tour is, because I usually I'll ask the question, well, how many in here, and, and, and usually they're all conservatives that I that I speak to, okay? And I'll ask, how many in here think our president acts unpresidential? You know, and I get about maybe 10 to 20 percent will raise their hands, and then I'll ask, well, how many wish you'd tweet less? Uh, and the same amount, raise their hands. And then I ask the critical question, which is, how many in here think we're big, too big to fail as a country? And there's no way we could become socialists. Right. And it is that same group. So the group. Wow. The group. Exactly. Wow. So the, the same people cry about his tweets think we can never become socialist. That's right. Oh, and interesting. I'm convinced now that those people are not worried one iota. They just think that, that Trump is a phase, that he is hurting their globalist kind of uh, elitist tech, uh, ideologies and hurting their possibilities there in Washington, D.C. Okay, so they, they're just trying to wait him out. But yep. what they don't realize is that this is it. If we lose in November, there will not be another election. You can kiss the Republican Party goodbye because the Democrats will never allow another fair vote if this one is even going to be. I completely agree with that. And, you know, I I actually tweeted Trump this morning. I said, you know what? You should tweet out that the day the day after you get elected and you win, you should say, if the Republican Party doesn't stand up and start fighting back, I'm going third party. And I'm telling you, Absolutely. you would have a third party at that point because we're not playing. We're, that's what I hear over and over is like, I love his tweets. I mean, every once in a while, I may be like, well, I don't understand why he did that. But I, you know, generally there's a strategy behind it. But it's like you have to fight. We, we, we nominated what? McCain? I mean, please. McCain and Romney? Romney's out there now like he, he might as well wear one of those pink hats and be wearing a yeah. tutu walking down the street. He's a joke. Yes. And um, you, you, you and I don't know if you read my chapter eight, but it's called Trick or Tweet. I'm reading it now. And... I haven't finished the book. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so well, that's that's fine. Um, but so chapter eight is all about Trump's tweets, and what I tell people is, look, the way Alinsky teaches his community organizers, all the left, he tells them no matter how wrong uh, we are, you never admit it, but yes. you have to you have to uh, focus on the enemy as though they are one hundred percent devil. 
and evil. So what happens is we, as uh, the conservative group, when our president tweets something that we don't, that we sh- makes us shrink, um, we, we should just accept it and understand that he may have an ulterior motive because every time we complain about him, every single time we take his power away and Correct. give it to the left. Absolutely. Yeah, I never say anything, to, to be honest, and I, don't, I, I want to clarify this, you know, because I don't, I don't say anything publicly. Like, I don't really tweet anything negative. I, the only thing I do is I'll tweet him and say, no DACA, no amnesty, for sure. But other than that, I don't really criticize him and I'll, for that very reason, because there is enough against him. And I don't do it because I'm a sycophant. I do it because of the very reason you say is I don't want to give any more ammunition to the left. It is their sound bites. We're just exactly sound bites to use in uh, yes. you know for the campaign. For their campaign, it's really sad for me to see because I know exactly what's going on because I understand the Alinsky tactics so well. Yeah. Um, and just to give your audience a quick idea, one of the most common uh, tactics is number five, which is ridicule, is man's most potent weapon. So. When they start calling Trump a uh, white supremacist or a racist or a hemophobe or a xenophobe when he stopped tra- travel from uh, Biden, called him, remember, a xenophobe, yeah. when he stopped travel from China, uh, which saved hundreds of thousands of American yeah, lives more than course. likely, right? Um, so when they start calling him those names, um, it's, you know, the, the elitist. The uh, the old school Republicans that think he's the problem, um, they this is this is this is what's really dangerous for the Republican Party, um, because they start siding with the left. Yeah, you see the politicians, you know, in the Senate and the House, you know, which ones are going to come out and start talking about things like, "Gee, I wish he wouldn't have done." Yeah, he had no business tweeting that he shouldn't have called her this he shouldn't have done that and all they're doing is playing right into the left hand and they don't even see it you know how many of my books i've sent to our senators wow, whenever yeah. i see this happen i'm furious when i see them do it because they're the dumb ones they're the naive ones they're the ones that are empowering but once again they're the ones who don't think we will become a socialist country ever Right. And that's the problem. Yeah. If they knew in November if we lost, we'd become socialist and the Republicans would never win another election, they would be behind him 150 percent. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I'm not. Certain. Maybe they like maybe, maybe they're maybe they're two sides of the same coin. But um, mm-hmm. so we have about a minute left. Um, I just want to say we'll we'll have you back. You know, we'll talk about this and we'll have you back. Uh, but the. The thing that is so great about Trump that I love is you mentioned ridicule and 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 um, tactic five Tucker that the left hates Tucker Carlson because he ridicules and he mocks them. And I don't know if you if you're on Twitter and you follow this guy, but the guy Carpe Donctum, he makes the funniest. Oh, my God. He makes the funniest memes and videos and it makes the left crazy like Brian Stelter. And and they all go crazy because of this guy, because for the first time, our side is mocking their side. And like you say exactly. in your book, using their own tactics against them. 
and that's again why I love Trump. He's such a gangster. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to be. I mean, he may want to be liked. Everybody wants to be liked, but he is there to get the job done and roll over them if he has to, and he doesn't care. And that's why I love it. But uh, we should all be so thankful he's in, in power right now. I and if he, I am so glad. We need to back him 100% come November. Absolutely. And I tell you, I wish we had another half hour because we could talk on and on. And again, we will definitely have you back. Thanks so much for coming on, Kathy. And we'll talk soon. Have a great day. I'd love to be back. You too. Thank Absolutely. You, and I'll, I'll put a link for the book on the show, on the website. I appreciate the that. Thank you very much. You're sure. welcome. All right. You take care. Take care. Bye-bye. You are listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. Here with Colonel Jim, and we are on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer, and we will be right back. More Brook Talks America coming up. To Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by Twitter at Talks America. Here's Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. Boy, the time just goes so fast. It's unbelievable. Um, She was great, huh? So I'll put a link for the book on the Facebook page. In coronavirus news, because it's like a bad rash that won't go away. And I do not like to call it COVID because I can totally see the white liberals. I think they think it makes them sound cool when they say COVID. Like, oh, my God, like COVID. We're like going to COVID and I have COVID practice. I'm just saying. I know. Anyways, um, (laughs) a Fox 35 investigation released on Monday discovered an inflation of coronavirus cases by the Florida Department of Health. With 300, you probably have heard about this, 300 testing sites recording a 100% positivity rate, which is impossible. And an Orange County, Florida uh, health officer admitted this week that one of the coronavirus victims that was listed on their website died in a motorcycle crash. You've been, we've been talking about this. It's all fake. Not all of it, but I'm, too much of this is is very fake. Uh, Raul Pino told Fox 35, you could actually argue that the coronavirus had something to do with the crash. I don't know. We're offering you the best data that we have. Nothing suspicious about that, right? And I put about the health officer and I put that in quotes. Uh, An interesting note, it's not really being talked about too much, but it really goes in line and this should really just solidify what we all think about the fact that all of these government employers are very shady and suspicious with the numbers that they put out. Um, a daily call, new Daily Caller article shows that CDC employees made more than 8,000 federal contributions to PACs and politicians since 2015. How many do you think were Republican? Five. Five out of 8,000. You think, you think there couldn't be just a little bit of manipulation of the data? to hurt DeSantis and by proxy Trump. This coming from the CDC. And I have to say, this Fauci, you know I'm not a big fan. Why do we have to genuflect to this guy like he's some kind of hero? He's on the cover of, um, I can't remember what, InStyle magazine. I think it is, instead of Melania's never been on the cover. This whole this thing is such a joke. 
right? And what kills me, though, is how the media reports on New York and Florida. Cuomo has 32,000 dead in his state, and he killed thousands of elderly by forcing them to go into nursing homes when they were infected, and the media paints him as a hero. Meanwhile, DeSantis, as the governor, there are 4,500. So 32,000 versus 4,500 in Florida, which has a bigger population than New York, he deliberately protected the elderly, knowing we had so many of them here, and the media paints him as the devil. The media is the enemy of the people. Trump is right. They are fake news. Uh, In California which I really like to call California, Governor Nuisance, and he is. He ordered all public and private schools in more than 30 counties to close. Why? Has nothing to do with health or schools. It has to do with electoral votes and the economy, 100%. Uh, The counties also, after he closed churches, gyms, hair and nail salons, and indoor malls, he's being sued right now, which is great, for um, by some churches. In most counties um, in Southern California, he closed. One of the largest teachers unions in in California, in L.A., with 35,000 members, says public schools in the L.A. district should not open if certain policies, which is, of course, their policies, are not implemented and on the state and national level, including what? All this SJ stuff. Defunding the police, which is really going to work out well. Implementing Medicare for all and a moratorium on charter schools. Nothing to do with teaching students or public health. This is all to do with an agenda, and it's all to do with, to hurt Trump, right? It's foolish, though, because they're just increasing the demand for, for uh, charter schools and private school choice and charter schools and all of that. They're probably going to get it, too, because if they're unwilling to go to work, all of the parents who pay the taxes are going to be very angry about that and demand that they'll be able to take that money and go somewhere else. Even a pediatri- even a panel of pediatricians on MSNBC said they'd be sending their kids back to school. Listen to this clip. Would you let your kids go back to school? I will. My kids are looking forward to it. Yes. Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. As much as I can. <laughs> Without a hesitation. Without a hesitation, yes. I have no concerns about sending my child to school in the fall. I would let my kids go back to school. Dr. John Torres, NBC News. Yeah, well. They all said yes. Yes, so listen to Craig Melvin. He was totally stunned silent. He didn't expect this. He probably expected them to slam the reopening and, of course, slam Trump. These are pediatricians who said that on MSNBC. Uh, Even super liberal Canada says get the kids back to school. An article on MSNBC um, said that two million, the, the two million Ontario students who have been in lockdown at home because of coronavirus should return to school in the fall with no, no strict physical distancing or requirement to wear a mask. This was a report from uh, experts at Sick Kids Hospital, which is apparently a big children's hospital in Toronto. They said the risk of the virus must be balanced against the harm to children posed by school closures and rules that prevent them from getting close to each other. Absolutely true. I couldn't agree more. And here's Dr. Scott Atlas talking about the harms from not opening the schools, which we just mentioned. I'd like to talk about the harms to the children. The harms to the children are never in the discussion for some bizarre reason. You mean the The harms harms if we don't send them back to school? The harms to the children for closing schools. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Thanks for correcting mm-hmm. me. Uh, yes, I mean this is this is the biggest problem of all. Yet again, we're going to commit some 
severe public policy without regard for the harms of the policy. Children are not just learning from, first of all, long-distance learning is a failure. 50% drop in math, read, uh, math ability, 30% drop in reading ability. Half the kids, or 20 to 50% of kids, don't even log on. This distance learning is not going to work. But besides that, the most important things that kids learn are other things, like social interactions, like maturation, like learning to deal with groups, group conflict. Mm -hmm. You can't learn that on a computer. To, to be clear, while you are saying how important it is to get kids back into school and do so safely, you are encouraging that CDC guidance be followed, that there's mask wearing, social distancing, and all of the precautions that they're recommending? Not for children. That would be irrational. Children, it doesn't matter if children get the disease. They don't get sick from this. And the, the data shows that they do not significantly transmit to adults. And this is data. But this is not a hypothetical point to stop discussion. the spread? And I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I mean, the science shows that mask wearing stops the spread of the disease. And don't we have a collective duty in this country to stop the spread? There's no rational reason or science to say that children transmit the disease significantly. In fact, there's data to the contrary. You either believe in the science or you say you believe in the science and act contrary to science. The science says, and this is data from Iceland, Sweden, Switzerland, the Netherlands, France, uh, the UK, Australia, Canada, uh, Ireland, Everywhere in the Germany, everywhere in the Western world has shown that children do not transmit significantly to adults, even their own parents, and that teachers are not, not at higher risk of getting a disease like this disease from children. You either believe the science or not. You can't insist you believe in the science and then act contrary to science. And by the way, like I said, we are the only country not opening schools. This is absurd. Absolutely absurd. And I have to say, when she, when anybody uses that word collective, it makes me cringe. I don't know where her mind is at. He And you heard, okay, so you want to talk about science. I think the pediatricians who went to school studied science. Half of the people that talk about science can't determine, can't decide the difference between a boy and a girl. So I don't really take their suggestions to heart. You've heard it from pediatricians and doctors that don't have a political agenda. They're just operating on the best interests of children and society. So, you know, we have no idea. And he's totally right. I love that he said that. Nobody's even talking about the children. The teachers unions are not talking about the children. Suicide ideation, you have terrible, terrible consequences for children of having them cooped up like this, right? I have a park near me. It's not even open. It was an ama It's always filled with kids, and it hasn't been open for three months. Kids are just sitting at home, and, you know, they're being targeted by sex predators online. If your kids have chat, you need to be watching because they're being targeted, okay? We have no idea what, to, what we're doing to children with these policies, and in my opinion, they're just innocent victims of the blood sport of politics, I don't even know what to say about it because it's so heartbreaking, um, really. But, you know, if the, if the pandemic house arrest isn't fun enough, the Democrat violence goes on unabated, and the geniuses on the left call for reimagining policing, as you can hear from this clip. The folks in law enforcement that share the goals of reimagining policing. Reimagining policing in the 21st century. 
Rethinking and reimagining policing. Community efforts to reimagine policing. To reimagine policing. We have to reimagine what policing looks like. Reimagining policing, reimagining our public safety. Reimagine a citizen led approach. You can begin to reimagine law enforcement. Reimagine public safety in this country. What can we do to reimagine public safety? Reimagining public safety. To reimagine public safety. We must reimagine what public safety looks like. So apparently they all got the talking points and are behaving like a bunch of brainless bubbleheads. And you heard the um, the audio that I played a couple weeks ago from the monster from Minnesota, as I call her, shrieking about this very issue. Uh, I'm going to take this up on the other side of the break because I have another clip that is in line with this about the issue of reimagining policing and the devastating consequences on America from implementing these policies, which, by the way, Sleepy Joe endorses. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer. More Brook Talks America coming up. And yet another reason I long ago declared and have been proven right in my logical conclusion that the government school system is America's number one enemy. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. Not since the Civil War has there been such a large segment of Americans fighting to maintain a modern-day form of slavery and destroy our constitutionally limited, exceptional nation way of life. The continued allowed onslaught against our cities, businesses, private homes, and law-abiding sovereign citizens by enraged Marxist Black Lives Matter members and their Antifa comrades were fueled by multiple generations of Americans being systematically indoctrinated against every aspect of civilized society. The angry mobs complain to high heaven about various issues, but their solution is not to solve the issues and to make authentic improvements. No, not at all. The Marxist BLM matter and Antifa comrades hate the United States and are pushing to destroy our America and make matters much worse. The bottom line is if you train up a multiple generations to hate and seek to destroy their own nation, they will seek to do just that. The time has come to stop government school indoctrinators in their tracks before it's much too late and demolish their darkness with the light of truth. Our good way of life depends upon that. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. And that clip that you heard is Ron Edwards from the Ron Edwards Notebook. And it goes in line with what we're talking about about schools is that these kids are being indoctrinated. Uh, but I want to get back to this this. Um, a, uh, an audio clip that I have here, which is Mayor de Blasio from New York, and he's destroying that city. So as as his city is in, experiencing a 200% rise in violent crime, he said this. We now have fewer people in our jails than any time since World War II, and we are safer for it and better for it. I don't think that's exactly true. Uh, Wilhelm. 
There is there are an unbelievable amount of astonishing cases that are happening there. One was you probably have seen it on Sean Hannity's show is a one year old baby was shot in the stroller during a cookout. Okay, to death in his in his city. Another another there's a video of this and it's absolutely insane. This thug is walking behind this girl who's walking down the street. She's pushing a baby in a stroller. He attacks her, starts stabbing her, and then the process pulls the stroller over. The baby falls out and hits the sidewalk and the stroller falls on top of him. This is happening in the place that DeBazio just said was super safe. The people that are pushing for this madness are the people that Ron Edwards just mentioned are being indoctrinated. This has to stop. Okay, this is absolutely completely insane and it has to stop. You cannot vote for Democrats because this is what you're going to get here. uh, Before we get to Jim, because he's going to talk more about this. I want to get to this super quick clip on Obama talking about something uh, that Jim is going to talk about. We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. Jim, talk about that. Is that not Antifa and BLM? (laughs) That statement by our former president is the most ridiculous statement ever heard. Our military is there to de- and designed to protect and defend America. Doing that is basically saying he wants a totalitarian-style Gestapo organization to keep tabs on American citizens. That's it, pure and simple. has nothing to do with national security. You don't secure the country from within. That's already done. That's a, the responsibility of an organization called law enforcement? Have we missed the mark on that? How f- how interesting it is that we have a uh, we have a party, and I don't call them the Democratic Party anymore. And I'm going to talk about this. I call them the Communist Party. I'm not even stopping at socialists. I'm talking about what they are doing. Totalitarian rule of law is what's at hand, and that's what Obama was talking about. He's talking about a form of organization, I call it Antifa or Black Lives Matter, who themselves have called for the creation of, and this is from Antifa in 2018, a red army to annihilate their enemies. Well, they're talking about you, Americans. They're talking about conservatives. They're talking about constitutionalists. They're talking about those who believe in their religion of choice. They're talking about those who will not comply with what a communist totalitarian government wants. And that's what they're talking about. This is... But that includes their own, because if you you walk away, they're going to get you too. Absolutely. This is anyone who doesn't comply, you know, and how are they going to enforce that? Well, you know, we talked about that last week with Antifa. Many of them have been trained in Syria. Now we're looking at Black Lives Matter, and we all know Black Lives Matter, as as Brooke has talked about in the show before, and, and we've talked about, and you've heard on many other uh, radio networks and read a lot, has nothing to do with the welfare and well-being of black lives. That's a cover. This is all about control, and this is essentially a, a could be a a armed group underneath the 
former Democratic Party, who I now call communists, and I'm going to say that until uh, the last days of my breath, because that's what they stand for. And, and you have to understand when you read the ideology and the purpose of these organizations, it talks about violence. It talks about confronting those who do not uh, follow what the new form of government is going to be. You know, we talked you know, all about Obama talking about it, Joe Biden talking about a fundamentally changing America. The fundamental change is changing us to a one-party system under uh, a communist form, totalitarian form of government. That's all it is. And, and like I said earlier, uh, a few minutes ago, this is beyond socialism. You can have peaceful socialism. You cannot have peaceful communism within a country because it's all about control. So, you know, we heard the CEO of Goya this week who met with the president. He came out and said he refuses to bow to the left. He's talking about the communists. I've I've spent, uh, spent this week talking with, with a number of He's Cuban, Cuban, right? Yes, he yeah, is. Yeah, so and he, I spoke with a number of Cuban Americans who came here who built because we have a thing called opportunity in America and freedom and freedom and have built their own businesses. They are against any of this. They said we left Cuba exactly. to get away from that and we're coming to America and we're now watching the Democratic Party who we once embraced now turning against us by way of doing this. So that's what we're up against. And, you know, uh, people need to wake up and people need to, you know, start reading and start understanding and start listening to, you know, those of us out there, you know, start here with Brooke, go to her website, listen to uh, her podcast, listen to and read her, her articles, Read what's going on Your out articles. there. My articles. There's so much out there, uh, great writers who are putting this out there. But this is what it's all about. Now, let's look at the Democratic Party. I've been stressing for, for some time, as I said, I'm, stop, I'm not stopping at socialism. I'm going right to communism because that's everything that they're talking about. So we need to talk about that. Now, change the subject a little bit. Let's talk about Portland you know, Portland has been under uh, riot control for the last 50-plus days. They have gone nonstop since all this started, uh, and and every day there has been violence going on. The, sti- the city is being systematically destroyed. Well, finally, uh, President Trump and Attorney General Barr said, enough is enough. We have got to institute some type of control, particularly against the federal buildings, the federal courthouse and other federal buildings in the city of Portland. And they sent in uh, federal uh, law enforcement who have gone out and are making arrests at night as the violent protests continue. They're destroying buildings and they're making arrests. Well, the illustrious mayor of Portland has has uh, came out, has come out and criticized the president for doing this. And you know the president's doing the right thing. If the if the if the state and local law enforcement aren't going to do their job, we've got to step in. So let's talk about um, a couple other things that are are going on in the news uh, that we need to focus on real quickly. Um, we saw the president do a interview with Chris Wallace of Fox News. Watch that tomorrow. I can tell you right now, Chris Wallace was covering every step of the way for Joe Biden and the comments that pres- the president talked about. Joe Biden, who says he wants systematic change in law enforcement. So President 
Trump pushback, and and uh, it's going to be an interesting interview tomorrow. Uh, the next thing is, and, uh, and I'll get ready to close out here, is we've got two things going on. We watch uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, our uh, member of the Supreme Court. She's going through uh, increased cancer. Uh, I think she's going to have to step down here shortly. She's just not going to be able to do that. And the last big thing uh, is the Bank of America has just pledged $1 billion, pledged, keyword there, to Black Lives Matter. What does that say about things? What does that say about corporate America? So these are things to watch this week, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again. Yep. We need another two hours, don't we, Jim? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so a quick quote. Who controls the, from Orwell's 1984, who controls the past, controls the future, who controls the present, controls the past. They say every record has been destroyed or falsified, every book rewritten, every picture has been repainted, every statue and street building has been renamed, every date has been altered, and the process is continuing day by day. That's happening now, America. We can push back. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, on Salem Media Group with Colonel Jim on AM860, The Answer. We will see you next week. You've been listening to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot, Brooke Says. Connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. By Twitter, at Talks America. And listen next Saturday night for more Brooke Talks America on AM 860, The Answer.